Elsewhere. My name is Ian Ditchburn. And I'm Cody Harridge. We are coming at you today from a windy summer day in our downtown Eastside studio. And we just finished up a conversation with documentary filmmaker Murray Seipel. That's right. Uh, Murray is most famous for his 2007 documentary, Carts of Darkness, which is about homeless bottle collectors who race shopping carts on the steep mountain highways of North Vancouver. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but I actually used to collect bottles. I feel like you're going to tell me a story. Let's gather around. Uh, this was back in 2014 when I was backpacking around Europe in, in Berlin. I would save a bit of money, would stay up all night drinking at the hostel that's, bar. That's how you save money? Yep, bear with me. Okay. And uh, at the end of the night, I would collect all the bottles off the tables and go down to the local supermarket where you could basically exchange them for a, a receipt with kind of cash value. So I'd either buy a seven euro bottle of rum or a breakfast sandwich, depending on my needs for the day. And uh, that's you know, how I survived <laughs> the very dark part of my life. Fair enough. Best year of my life. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> back to the film. Uh, it definitely toes the line between being really funny and also deeply moving. Murray is physically disabled himself in a wheelchair. So there's all sorts of comparisons relating to the invisibility of homelessness and those who suffer from a lack of mobility, whether that be physically, socially, economically. And you know what? It's also just a great movie. If you want to check it out, it is available in full on YouTube and also on Amazon Prime if you want something a little more high definition. Yeah, we're going to play you in today with a song by one of my favorite artists. Pat the Bunny is a legend in the punk community, particularly due to his long stints of homelessness and a very pronounced heroin addiction. Uh, Despite that, he's an amazing songwriter, and this is probably my favorite live performance of his. He's super fucking strung out, and you can really hear it in his voice, but I just thought it was a perfect example of music by the homeless uh, about the experience of being homeless. So this is Pat the Bunny with Free and Alone. There's a song about uh, about what I do uh, with most of my time at this particular point in my life, which is uh, traveling to places not unlike this and playing music for people, and uh, just what it's like uh, just to not have any money and be going a bunch of places, you know, bullshit traveling song more or less is what I'm trying to say. Get this! Well then, I'll haunt this on-ramp! 
like singing your heart out to nobody as you fall asleep. By the side of the road, you know I've never felt quite as free or quite as All right, so we're sitting here with Murray Sipple, director of Carts of Darkness. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Actually, it's Sipple. Is it Sipple? Oh, okay. okay. Everybody gets Sipple. Well, okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one then. <laughs> All right, so when you first started filming, uh, were you living in North Vancouver at the time? Yeah, that's how I discovered these characters. Um, I live on this cul-de-sac on Delbrook, which is a really steep street. And uh, I heard my recycling bin being rattled. I looked out and there was dudes going through it for cans. And if you know where I live, it's like two kilometers up from the ocean. So I had to figure out how are these guys getting the bottles down? And I thought I would like start filming them just coming to my house. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned to a filmer friend of mine that I was going to do that. And he's like, you know, they ride the carts, right? And I'm like, no way. <laughs> so right then that's how it kind of initiated that whole story. Yeah, when I when I've told friends about about the the movie, they've like, oh yeah, I know I've know those guys. Like I've seen people have been seeing them. Well, I, uh, do that for I years. went to school North End at uh, Windsor House. I don't know if you yeah, ever I heard know of that. School? Yeah. yeah, and um, the, your movie was kind of like a legend, you know, that right. I heard of. Oh, you know, cool. Like, yeah, it's always something that I'd heard about. It's funny because people always say, <clears> yeah, <throat> I see those guys downtown, and I'm like, no, you don't. There's no streets downtown that are even close to North Vans steepness yeah, yeah. yeah. But they would go 67 kilometers an hour that was the max because of the size of the wheel on the shopping cart right mm -hmm. yeah so i was gonna ask what the top speed you how did you record their speed did you have like a radar gun thing it wasn't that uh tech i followed them in the van uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just kept pace yeah i see oh that's interesting yeah. um so when did you have a uh, the idea that this would become like a film project well I was start. I went to Thailand because I ended up in a wheelchair, and I recovered and went through rehab, you know, and did all the physio and came out of that and built the house. And I was kind of lost. I was writing scripts, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to continue my filmmaking uh, job. So I took a trip went to Thailand and figured when I got home, I should continue doing what I used to do, which was carry a video camera mm -hmm. and film everything I saw that I liked. So when I got home, I bought a video camera and started filming. I started filming those guys on the street. And like I mentioned, a friend of mine said they ride the carts. So that became a thing. We started filming them without any funding. And it was funny because it was actually called bum carts at the right. time. Because <laughs> there was a similar film out. Bum, bum fights. fights. Yeah. Oh, which that, that didn't end up being. Right. And I was like, okay, it can't be bum cards. No. no. <laughs> I love the play on the hearts of darkness, carts yeah. of darkness. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's genius. It's pretty funny. Yeah. And so what happened was the National Film Board of Canada had like a general call out for everybody in the Vancouver area that was disabled to come in and. You know, they opened their doors and said, do you guys have any projects on the go? Do you need help? Mm -hmm. we, we have slots for people with disabilities to make a film. 
and I told them I was filming these guys. And, you know, it has alcoholism, me with a disability, homelessness, recycling, and extreme sports all in one film. So it's they, very CBC. Yeah, they, yeah. they bid it, and uh, I did a development with them, and it became what it is now. Oh, all right. How, how large was the scene of people doing this, from your estimates? But do you mean how many people are riding carts? Yeah. Oh, um, like, I mean, there was, like, stories of other people doing it. There was apparently one guy that did it backwards, and I never found him. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> He's very uh, dead. But there was about <laughs> three to five. Okay, so it wasn't like a huge scene. It was quite no. A, yeah, there is a huge scene of people collecting the bottles, though. Oh yeah, yeah. I think the last homeless count on the North Shore was around three hundred, and I would guess half of them are collecting bottles. Yeah, and then less than half of that are making it up the hills. Yeah, but they are. Uh, how long did it take for you to decide on on Big Al as being the kind of principal subject for your film? Well, Big Al was the self-proclaimed original cart rider. He grew up in Lynn Valley mm. on Mountain Highway, which is a very steep road. And he used to take shopping carts from the Safeway, which was halfway down, and ride them to his high school. So he'd been riding That's right. carts. That's yeah, you mentioned that in the film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd been riding carts to high school. And then, you know, through whatever reasons, he ended up homeless and just continued on the tradition. He loves cart riding. Like, it's his thing. It's his passion yeah yeah what about the guy in the green shirt we never really got his name but he's the one who's his kind of you know friendly rival they did a few races in the movie what was his deal we kind of pulled him out of like uh i don't know what he was up to al said he had some addiction issues he was actually living in burnaby we had to go find him and then we were like do you want to ride a cart because we need more people to ride a cart and he agreed but we didn't get much of a story on him he passed away like he did two filming sessions with us and died really wow yeah you you don't mention that in the movie that's we we lost a number of people that aren't in the film before the film was made like we would start a story and then halfway through they would die that's from anything alcohol how many times did that happen uh there was like four dudes that passed away during like you know us recording their story and it never happened yeah well that's a that's a lot yeah yeah Yeah. were there any major accidents i remember at the beginning of the movie there's one another kind of undamed guy who looks like he has a pretty fucked up leg yeah (laughs) what happened there so that it was our only accident thank god um but that was Ben. He was an ex-motocross rider from California that oh, ended really? up wow. homeless yeah. in North Van. And he was one of Al's buddies, and he was into it until he crashed on Capilano Road coming down from Grouse Mountain. And that was that one you caught? On That's the, yeah. the one I caught, yeah. Did he stop after that? Yeah. yeah. He Did... actually moved away after that to Calgary to work at a moving company or something. Less pills. Yeah. Less, <laughs> yeah. less, less trauma. Um, yeah, did he have like a compound fracture? It kind of looked like his bone was sticking out a little bit, or I couldn't tell if he just had a kind of bumpy leg. No, yeah. he had <laughs> sure. severe road rash. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah, he looked like he was he was taking it like a champ. He just kind of yeah. wanted to get out of there and have yeah. a stiff drink <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Yeah. We did take him to the ER, and they scrubbed him, but he left right away. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, did you ever get in any trouble while you were filming, like with the, uh, with the police? The, 
It's the stupidest story. The only trouble we got in was we were filming on my, the top of my street, Delbrook, and Al needs weight in the front of his shopping cart. The bottles aren't enough, so he'll actually put large rocks in the cart. So we were at the top of the street, and he grabbed some landscaping rocks from a house. Right, some flagstone or something. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we did their filming for the day and came home by myself to find cops at my address because someone had written down my van license plate number. <laughs> and they asked what right. had been going on. I was like, I don't know. I didn't see any guys. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so it's someone... funny for the, for the least sketchy thing about all of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> the taking of the rocks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and once during yeah. filming, we did get pulled over now that I remember actually, but I pulled the National Film Board of Canada card Oh really? And the fact that I was driving using a wheelchair <laughs> with the yeah. handy the handicap <laughs> yeah, sign, yeah. you know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're making a film about poverty. Here. Yeah, exactly. We're really going to stand in the way of this yeah. art. Yeah. Um, er- early on in the movie, Al discusses kind of the science of cart racing, which carts are better than other. And when 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 you're filming it, you can very clearly see the logos of the of the various supermarkets with the different carts in the background, and then you very clearly taking a shopping cart and putting it in the back of your van. Did you did you ever get in any trouble for that, or did you buy a shopping cart outright? No, they were always freshly taken from mm-hmm. the grocery stores. Yeah. I don't know how we actually got away with that because their logos are in there yeah Yeah. well no news is good news i guess they just never said anything true yeah but one thing that did happen was um halfway through filming al was arrested and put to jail because he had 13 outstanding warrants oh wow okay and i don't know what they're for but uh so we had to actually cease production until he got out of jail eight months later or 10 months later yeah no i remember that whole scene when you're picking him up and kind of take him out Yep. But yeah. what's not in the movie is that when we picked him up, I had visited him in prison, and we had arranged that the day he gets out, we would film him the first day. So we got the crew, picked him up, went to the top of Mountain Highway, and my production assistant had used his truck to carry one of the Safeway carts. And when we got to the top, we were all ready to go, and he came over to my truck, and he was like, do you guys have insurance? Because I'm going to be liable because I have the safe the, the cart. I took the Safeway cart. I'm like, you know, it's a National Film Board. We have all the insurance. We're good. And he was like, if you don't have the paperwork, I'm not going to allow filming to happen. And Al was Your like... Your PA said that. Yeah. Our Ballsy PA. move for a PA. Really? Good, good of him to know his rights well, and stuff. Well, he but... actually <laughs> was a, also a director, but I had hired him because he wasn't making any films at the time. So... He stepped in and shut it down and was like, you're not filming. And Al said, fuck you guys, and dro- and just took off on the cart without anybody <laughs> filming. Right. I was like, damn it, we that waited was the first one. <laughs> eight months for this shot, and he, there he goes. He's yeah. gone. He didn't chase after him or anything? No. no I guess you're kind of dealing with, you know. So we shot it again another day when we could provide the paperwork. Yeah. And we just made it look like that was his first day. Through the magic of editing. Yeah, yeah. spoiler. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that, I suppose he, he'd been waiting eight, 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 ten months? Eight, ten months. I yeah. can't remember exactly. Yeah, I think in the film he said ten. So he'd yeah. been waiting better part of a year to ride that his his one vice or yeah. two. Well, one, his major vice. Yeah. Um, so no, no, I don't think anything PA or hell or high water was going to stop Al from riding that cart that day. We, yeah. we did a lot of 
cart riding without not on camera because I was trying to keep him in my like scene like I wanted to make sure that he knew I was his friend so he had a cell phone at the time he'd call me and be like come pick me up I want to ride so I'd go grab him take him to the top of mountain highway and he'd just do a run it was oddly sometimes in the rain at night oh wow yeah and I was by myself with him so I couldn't film but those were right because you're driving like following like, yeah mm-hmm. but yeah yeah. Well, I suppose since you had so many potential subjects die in the middle of filming, you kind of had, and he at that point had you very much decided on him. You were quite invested in yeah. the uh, <laughs> the character yeah. of Al surviving the 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 shooting, which is, is good. Yeah. Um, so uh, you grew up doing snowboarding visit videos yep. in North Vancouver when an accident took your mobility. It, yep. it was a car accident. It wasn't a snowboarding accident. No, it wasn't a snowboarding accident. Um, I was living in Whistler at the time and I'd made five snowboard films and the last one the producer without my knowing had invested all the profit without before he told me he did that and I hadn't been paid oh man And so I came to get paid and he was like I lost the money so I moved back home to my parents in Kamloops how old were you 26 Uh. after you know traveling the world all over the place filming skating and snowboarding wherever I could and living with, and then having to move home because I was broke I oh, couldn't live in Whistler heartbreaking yeah and so you know I made a mistake I went to the pub I met a friend in the in the parking lot that happened to be a snowboarder from Whistler with a new car and he said you know check out this stereo I was like okay I had the back in the mind feeling he was going to smoke a joint and I needed one that, at that point cause right I was fair stressed. enough stressed yeah and uh before i knew it he was driving the car and i hadn't closed the door and i was like i'm not going anywhere i'm going in i'm meeting people and he's like no you're coming partying with me and he stepped on the gas ripped this car to 100 kilometers an hour i was trying to shut the door and tell him to stop at the same time and he flipped it over a a a meridian and uh, hit a barrier, and we went upside down and landed 40 feet below on the highway. Holy, man. Yeah. It was gnarly, because I yeah. had no idea that we were going anywhere. Right, of course. Yeah. So it just went from zero to 60 yeah. very, very fucking quickly. Yeah. yeah. W- what happened to him? Nothing. Did you ever press charges or anything like that? No, I couldn't. I wasn't able to, and he got off the drunk driving because the police had uh, misread the... Or misused the breathalyzer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm rolling away. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Thanks. Um, and then to further it, I knew I'd broken my neck, but I could move my legs. Um, and in the You knew af- after the accident you weren't knocked out cold? Well, I was knocked out cold. I couldn't move. There was, like, the car was upside down because we'd land on the roof. Um, and there was, like, liquid pouring on my chest, which was actually from the windshield washer fluid, but I thought right, it was yeah. gas. And so I was kind of freaking out, and I couldn't move at that moment. And people dragged me out of the car, and there was an ambulance right away. And in the ambulance, I was slowly getting things back. At the emergency room, they were really busy, and um, they called in a doctor, and he had been partying. Oh, what? The doctor had been partying? Yeah, and he had a history of drug and alcohol, and he had one malpractice suit already. Wow. So he misread the x-ray, which clearly had my broken neck on it. And he released the collar and my neck broke again. Oh, my. Oh, man. And then I was paralyzed. And uh, Did you get to sue this guy? Well, this guy drove his car off the same 
cliff and killed himself. What? Two months later. Oh my god. So, in the end, I did sue. I sued ICBC, the doctor, the nurse, and the hospital. Because they were good. all injured. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, that was uh, none of my fault. Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk about a very unfortunate few months. Yeah. yeah. Well, it seems like you've done something really good with it, though, given your circumstances. Um, So how how do you find accessibility in Vancouver compared to other cities? Um, Well, I can say that I've traveled to a ton of cities, and I've seen it all from no accessibility to too much accessibility. Too much accessibility. What does that look look like? (laughs) Well, London is incredible. Like, it has a... Just like, wheelchair lanes everywhere. Oh, every, everything. <laughs> I rented a room at a hotel in London, and I had to call them and ask for a different room because it was like a hospital room. Right. It, was, it had, yeah. like, things hanging from the roof, emergency bells. The phone was, like, three feet big, so you can hit every button. <laughs> With a fist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, it just, I, I didn't like it. I didn't want to be in a hospital yeah. room at a hotel. I'd never seen anything like it. And, uh, well, everywhere is accessible in London. If it isn't, they have a doorbell that you can ring and people are hired to come and pick you up and carry you in the store. Wow, okay. So, yeah, that that's cool. Mm. Uh, Vancouver is accessible generally. It just depends on your disability because everybody's different. Right, like, true. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm... I'm a quadriplegic, but I can push a manual wheelchair, but I'm not that strong at it. And we have a lot of hills here. Yeah. So I drive. I drive everywhere. It's kind of my power wheelchair. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, like, even outside the studio, you know, is a small hill that you guys are going to help me up after. Yes, we are. That's the <laughs> least we can do, yeah. for yeah. sure. But there's yeah. weird things in the city, like, everybody loves hockey and goes to the games and... I go to Rogers Arena and I get there and you're in the wheelchair section. There's like 15 wheelchair people and you never get to be with the rest of the crowd. Mm. And I've been in arenas where you can, well, they have wheelchair spots spread out through the arena that you can bring your friends. Okay, yeah, so you're not just like sectioned off. Right, Right. and at Rogers you can bring one friend and they're actually supposed to be an attendant. Okay. So I try and buy hockey tickets for me and my friends and I can't. They have to sit like in a section away Mm. while I sit, you know, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that sucks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. So there's weird things here. Mm-hmm. But generally, I guess it's pretty accessible. I can do a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So your film kind of deals with the relationship between disability and homelessness, mm-hmm. outsider identity, invisibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, how quickly did those comparisons become apparent to you? And was there any kind of specific moment where you realized those correlations? Well, what happened right away is that when I started asking Big Al to film and his friends, they felt they were helping me. So I thought that was really interesting. Like they were like preparing things for me when I got there to meet them. Oh, Murray's coming. We got to make sure we help him into this area we are in the bush. Yeah, like clear the log and like carry you over and stuff. Yeah, So that that was interesting to me because I was in a different position than them i'm making a movie i'm the director i have a van i have a house i'm good but yeah. these homeless guys were helping me because they were like oh he needs help yeah. so now it's kind of funny because al is no longer able to walk he broke his ankles and had hip problems yeah. and he used to call me a fucking uh <laughs> he'd be like you're a fucking gimp and you're a cripple he'd, say, he'd, he'd leave me notes with cripple written on that's my name <laughs> Yeah, he's a rough endearment, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> now I go and see him, and uh, he's like, damn, I'm 
Now I get it. I know what yeah. you are going through, right? So. I'm sure the sense of irony is not lost right. on, on both right. of you. Right. Yeah. Um, kind of in the middle of the movie, Al talks about going to rehab. Did they ever quit drinking for an extended period, to your, to your knowledge at all? Um, they all are coming in and out of rehab constantly. Mm. And, you know, I think he's not coming out of it. He's always drinking. Do you know how old he is now? I would guess 35. Right now? Might be 36 or 37. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, he was like 30, maybe 29 or 28. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you, you posted you posted some photos on on your Facebook page recently, and I think yeah. the the conclusion that everyone jumped to was cart accident right, right. there. Yeah, was it a cart accident? Is that well, what I'll angles, never or? know. Okay, he always makes stuff up. Uh, fair enough. So, yeah, that's um, fair. But what did happen was he broke one ankle, and then because he had a broken ankle, he broke the other ankle, screwing around drunk, mm. and then he didn't get them fixed because he refused to go to the hospital. So he had couldn't walk he was actually using an office chair to roll around on oh really for how long like a, a long time like a year wow. before, before getting access to a wheelchair yeah. yeah was that because there was some difficulty with sort of i don't know what department of government would be responsible for that but there was some you know difficulty in him getting a no, free that, wheelchair from the, the government problem. and with a lot of people they don't want to get involved with giving up their id in any way like oh, they didn't okay. want to tell anybody who they are or where they were because they might have an outstanding charge oh, or they right. might owe money or they don't. That's the whole point of them being homeless, from what I understand, in the first place. They want to be free of anything. So as soon yeah, as you go to the hospital, the you anonymity. need to yeah. report who you are, show your ID. Yeah. Yeah, at one point, um, you're ta walking with, with, uh, with Al through North Vancouver, and he says that he, he doesn't like downtown because it looks like the slums. Right. And I, I kind of got the sense that uh, for at least him and possibly Fergie as well, that they just preferred living outside of the bounds of regular society. And we live in, uh, especially North Van, there's, the, you can camp and be technically still within the city at so many places. Yeah. You know, um, is, is he still in North Van now? He's in a North Van homeless shelter. Yeah. Uh, I forget what it's called, but yeah, he's in a North Van homeless shelter. They're taking care of him. Um, first, uh, when he was had those broken angles and was on an office chair, the church stepped in and they were offering him help and tried to get him into rehab. And they actually drove him to my house one day because he was like, I want to go up and see Murray. So we, I opened the door, and there they were. But I had to go out to the car because he couldn't walk out of the car. Right, yeah. But I think they helped him finally get into the shelter. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think he preferred to camp out in the woods? Well, I mean, I would too because I just got here a block away from my studio, and I saw a guy die on Literally the way here. Literally today to yeah. record this just now. Just now. Half an hour ago. And outside of here on Columbia, it's man i saw like a dozen needles in people's arms yeah and if al was here he'd be seeing that and he'd be probably involved so yeah. they find if they're in the north shore they can hide in bushes and be free and at least like dip in the rivers and yeah. sleep in bushes i saw a lot of camps that i wouldn't have believed existed but they're all in bushes all over there so i get it as yeah. opposed to sleeping in an alley amongst all this terrible stuff yeah i mean i've walked out of this studio before and, and looked over and 
saw a girl who I was in elementary school with. Like we used to go pick up Easter eggs from her backyard when right. I was a kid, and I, I looked at her, and she like immediately looked away, and I, I didn't say anything because I felt like maybe she she rec- I definitely recognized her. I feel like she recognized mm. me, but I felt like she was embarrassed, and I sure. didn't want to like necessarily call her out whether or not that was the right thing to do i'm not sure if i'll ever know right but if i do see her again i think i will talk to her just to kind of reconnect because sure. it's important to you know remind them that they're sure. not invisible yeah. as one of the yeah. themes of your movies yeah. um did you get the sense that they were heavy alcoholics before they were homeless or did they really start drinking heavily because they were homeless because that's an interesting question that i keep kind of no bouncing it started around. in their youth yeah for most of the people that I was involved with, they had very traumatic youth situations going on. Mm-hmm. And some had alcoholic parents, so maybe fetal alcohol syndrome as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, and they had social issues, like they couldn't, uh, they had a lot of anxiety dealing with anything official, you know, they never wanted to hold a job, they couldn't handle it, they'd fight with people. Yeah. So... Yeah, at one point he mentions that because he's a felon, he can't get a normal job. And then you start picking up bottles to make ends meet, and then the community sees you doing that, and they think you're a bum, and then you really can't get a job, like, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I have some friends who are started drug dealing when we were, like, still in high school, and in a totally kind of different way, they get used to the easy money, they get used to being their own boss, they get used to the kind of authority that that sort of position gives them. And then next thing, and they break the rule, you know, don't get high on your own supply. And then next thing you know, it's kind of the cycle of criminality and yeah. poverty just on sort of different levels, you sure, know, different sure. levels of, of extremes. Have you yeah. lost any friends this way? Uh, you, you grew up in, uh, Kamloops. in Kamloops. I'm wondering, like, is there much of a sort of, you know, similar kind of homelessness drug scene there? No. Um, when I grew up, almost nothing like that. I mean, everybody grew pot. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it is everybody's B- parents. Yeah. <laughs> it is BC. And yeah. uh, you know, I went to art school at Emily Carr, and there just really wasn't time for like drugs like that. I didn't. So I no, not really. And then when I was filming snowboarding in Whistler, there was even more weed. Like a lot of us had grow ups going and stuff like that. But I was so busy, I didn't. I couldn't get involved with that. I had no idea what was going on. I know there was a lot of ecstasy and cocaine and stuff yeah, like that, but kind of the party drugs. Mm-hmm. I had to turn get on into the hard drugs and stuff. Like I didn't have yeah, time for that, you know. Yeah. What Actually, I got a nickname Burnt Myrrh because I was working <laughs> so hard and everybody else like all the sponsored snowboarders and skaters, they I'd film them and then they'd go party. Yeah. And sometimes I would like smoke some bong hits with them, but then I'd have to go to work. I had to send faxes out to hotels. I had to edit the footage I had yeah, to drive you, to you did all your own editing as well yeah. Yeah. yeah so I was just too busy and then the next day I'd be filming and I'd be like oh man okay like all burnt <laughs> up so I got the burnt murder name I didn't have time to get involved with anything like that yeah fair enough I mean distantly there was some people that got you know that went too far but not immediately around me mm. yeah and yeah. it seems like you've been keeping busy for the most yeah. part so oh absolutely that definitely yeah. helps yeah you know. Um, Idle hands are the devil's toy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, saw a huge amount of that in my youth. Um, I grew up skateboarding like in right. Vancouver. And, you know, I don't know if you remember, there's a place called the Cracked Pipe. Yeah. Like, just on the corner yep. there. So that's yeah, I've been in there a couple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. When it was. Yeah, fair enough. R- right the, on Hastings. No, no, right on, um, what is it? Uh, right across the street from Angus's house. 
Oh, um, okay, gotcha. Yeah, but the number five orange. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, 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 there you go. So that when I was like 16, I like saw people going in, there were skateboards, like knock on the window, right. and I'm like, you know, how old are you, kid? I'm like 16, they're like, come back when you're 19. So I shaved my head and came back the next week, and they're like, all right, fine. <laughs> come in. <laughs> Dedicated enough. Yeah, exactly. Oh, totally recognized you. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, at one point, Fergie kind of briefly and then shrugs off, talks about his thoughts of suicide. Um, uh, I, I did a little bit of research on the, like su- uh, homeless suicide rates. And a 2012 study from the National Health Care for Homeless Council found that homeless people were 10 times more likely to commit suicide than the general population. And I think it's just important to, for listeners to keep in mind that invisibility of the homeless can to- can fucking kill them. Sure. Like if you just walk by them every day and just you know avoid eye contact, we're all guilty of that. We've I think we've all done that. But I really think you can make a world of difference by you know just even looking at not looking past them if they ask you for something, be like, hey, sorry, buddy, or even engaging with them even for just a few minutes yeah. just to let them know that they're not a forgotten sort of part of society. Yeah. And I mean, look at you. You made a whole film about them. So right. your, your brownie points are th- <laughs> through the roof at this point. Um, uh, did you pay them at all? Did they ever ask for anything like no, that or yeah, to I mean, buy them you, coffee or something? You can't because um, in documentaries it's unethical to pay people unless they're a professional expert giving you some type of statistics. Mm, right. I can't pay for someone to you know say anything because then you're you know you're skewing the film. Yeah, your fingerprints are all over it a bit too much. And you're, yeah. yeah, and National Film Board is a nonprofit. It's a government-run film production company, and they don't uh, make money off their films. And if they do, it goes back into the National Film Board to make more films. Got it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like co-op. Yeah, yep. it is. Yep. And, uh, I mean, it's cool because that Hearts of Darkness is now the number one watched online Canadian documentary of all time. Is it really? Wow. And I am very proud of that. I can't leverage it into another film, so I'm painting now. Oh, really? You've gotten yeah. into painting? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Are you still doing any kind of film work, or have you really transitioned into the art fully? Um, I'm making an experimental film right now on the P&E, the Pacific National Exhibition. Yeah. But I, it, I live right by there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I hear the yeah. screams. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pure experimental film, though. It'll only end up in art galleries right. playing on a monitor in the corner it's not something really for public viewing right. or broadcaster is, is it mostly going to be like about the the current space that it is or are you kind of like touching on like the internment camps and that kind of stuff what i'm going for the is to show camps. it yeah during the war that's yeah. where they killed the japanese was yeah. on the really area yeah oh wow i yeah, did not crazy. know that um mm. it's more of a uh audio visual weird like mashup of stuff and my goal is to show how that is part of vancouver's culture and it's a weird culture like that (laughs) you know you go to other cities in the world or other countries and they have incredible cultural celebrations and generally in vancouver we have the fireworks and mini donuts corporate (laughs) and we have the p and e which is corporate and that's a lot of people's vacations. A lot of people will take their week off in August or July or whatever and go there for their vacation. Weird. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to focus on those people. And, you know, I kind of juxtapose their visual of them walking around and looking at stuff with audio bites from other things. So uh, they might be contemplating religion or mm-hmm. they might be contemplating social issues or political issues or the state of the world or pollution or 
even small things, but I've gathered samples for 10 years of all these audio bits, and I've put them over people's faces that attended the PE. Right. Somebody's on the tilt a whirl. <laughs> yes. With the back, background of having fun, yes. the juxtaposition with all these kind of you know, yeah. thoughts. Yeah. yeah. What, do you, what do you think about the plans to, I don't know if you've heard about it, they're planning on expanding the PE. They want to turn it into like the biggest. I think it already really? is, but they want to turn it into some big, crazy, like, Disneyland of the West Coast kind of thing. I think because their numbers are kind of down lately. I know because I live in the area, right. they've been aggressively advertising a little bit more. Right. And then there's there's this green space called Mamiji Gardens, yeah. which is where a lot of people walk their dogs mm-hmm. and, you know, get drunk with their teenagers and have sex in the woods. And they want to bulldoze it all down to expand the P&E mm. so they can have, or, well, I think Playland, actually, not the P&E right, specifically, right. but Playland. It's already such a small area. I mean, it seems weird that that would be an issue, because Momiji is just, just a postage they, stamp compared to the rest I of I know. It. All the green sweat. they got to take yeah. them all. <laughs> they must have everything. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's corporate, right? So yeah. the end goal is for other people to be making money that doesn't benefit the neighborhood so yeah, i just have to say right away that i'd be against any of that i'm yeah. kind of against the peony as it is because it is sponsored by major players and it interrupts that neighborhood that community is not happy about the peony oh no yeah. and the skateboarding community as well they have the, the hastings, hastings park Bowl, yeah, and it gets shut down i grew up there yeah. yeah yeah and for what so people can show off some farm animals and tell us can make a million dollars it's right yeah, agreed. Like what our the sort of trade off has always been g- growing up there is we, we hear the screams between like July and, and August from right. Playland, and then it's double, so loud. double the double <laughs> the screams when it's P and E time. Right. Yeah. But we can also hear the the, the concerts that they play, right. at the, which sure. depending on the night can be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably mostly bad. Yeah. yeah. Although yeah. Lover Boy. Oh, hey, yeah. Right. <laughs> Working for and the weekend. Aren't they doing something? Uh, you were just at City Hall recently. Um, oh yeah, development near right, right beside your house. Yeah, yeah. The, I live right next to a private Catholic school that basically wants to turn uh, their big field into a uh, well. They're calling it McCarthy Stadium, mm-hmm. which they immediately backtracked from. Like the the word stadium, they're like, oh, well, there's just a little gusto, but they're installing like you know eight hundred seats and getting rid of their already well significantly downsizing their already tiny parking lot and because we're right by the peony we already get a bunch of people try parker street where i live is literally the first street that it's not resident only parking right and obviously we don't want to live next to a stadium my, my parents are away um so i last week went to city hall and got to speak on behalf of my whole family and mm-hmm. was, was quite nervous but once i got up there it was actually right. pretty fun and we lost. I mean, they immediately yeah. went and approved it. I, I could tell they, they had already had their their mind made up before they had their breakfast that morning. Sure. They were getting like it's it's development in the city. The city is looking for all sorts of like, oh, you want to fund like the sports facility and we don't have to pay for it. Like that's a win win in their mm, in their sure, books. Sure. So, but yeah, that's a bit of a side <laughs> issue. Um, yeah. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted to talk about before before we finish up here mm. was. Uh, the, the the character in the middle, who is as far as I could tell, was was unnamed. Oh, yes. Bob, Bob Hobo is right. the name of his dog tag on your right. Facebook page. You've got right. a fo- photo of him. Right. Um, but in in many ways, I find his very small part to be kind of the heart and soul of the entire movie because yeah. he just has this personal philosophy about how collecting bottles allows him to be free, earning very little money, spending very little money, so that he can have all this time to you know plant flowers and play guitar and work sure. on art and he just seemed like a very like beautiful human being yeah uh, what was his name 
Bob. Bob. So <laughs> no, it was, it was Bob. Okay. I don't know. Bob. I don't know his last name. Yeah. Okay. Do you know if he's still alive? He was like he looked pretty uh, old in the in the film. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Where was where was his place? It was behind Seal and Skateboard Park. Yeah, because we're thinking maybe we could drive up there and go he's knock gone. on his door. Oh, he's no, not there anymore? Yeah. Mm. He, he was uh, evicted a year after. Oh, right. really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Yikes. that's one of the reasons I have no idea where he is. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. I, it's funny because, like, um, the school I was talking about earlier, Windsor House, is just up the road from Sealand. So, yeah. like, I would have been just learning how to skateboard oh, yeah. around the time that you guys were doing okay. all the filming there. Like, right. 2005. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah in, that, <laughs> in that area. So, it's just. Yeah, it's funny to have this all kind of come full circle. Yeah, you know? mm -hmm. that's yeah. great. Sealand's awesome. That's no, great. Yeah, Canada Day, mm -hmm. the Bull Series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned something about leaving his family behind. Did you ever get a sense of what that was all about? He uh, he, I don't. I don't really know. Yeah. There was. He got divorced. Okay. Yeah. And so he decided just to do what he was doing there. He was sick of it, but. Man, the truth is hard to get out of those people. You never really know what they're telling you, so... That's fair. I can't really represent what he was up to. That's understandable. Yeah, but he did know. say yeah. something great that I think of almost every day, and he said that that true true wealth isn't money, it's friends. And that's yeah. really, 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 really important. And I, it's been 14 years or whatever since he said that, and I still think of it every day. It's, it's actually really beautiful that... You know, you only need so much money. He wanted to only make $20 a day, and that would make him get food and whatever he needed. So yeah. there's a lot of greedy people out here, and I don't know, it's something to really think about. Yeah, in an extremely money-worshipping culture, yeah. in an extremely money-driven city, yeah. that was, yeah, that, that whole scene that you're talking about was my favorite uh, in the entire movie, yeah. just his sort of, you know beautiful it, it seemed like he was maybe maybe at some point he'd had like a mental break like he kind of lost it there right. for a little while little while but he managed to just transform it into something really beautiful right. and, and positive and right. like because there's a lot of like you know there's a lot of hard moments in your movie yeah. it's, it's about poverty it's about yeah. like um um like at one point near the near the end, uh, Fergie gets his one of the other characters gets his disability, yeah. and he moves into a basement suite. Yeah, and he's true. like playing guitar drunk, leaning against yeah. the sink, yeah. talking about how he has like one utensil, the spoon, right. and then goes to sleep on a bare floor, and it's a really like yeah, a pair of socks. <laughs> yeah, really beautiful, sad moment. Yeah. Do you have any idea how long he got to keep that place? Because I know now he's you know in in hospital and was in a homeless shelter. For yeah. It, it was really like maybe a week and it wasn't because he was kicked out although i'm surprised he wasn't because he smoked down there in a basement suite yeah a family saw. living above he could care less because he'd been living in the bushes for years but anyways the reason he didn't keep it was because it was too far from the liquor store and huh. when he wow needed to go get booze he had to take the bus and inevitably the bus wouldn't bring him back because he was drunk so he actually never made it back so he ended up just crashing out in his old spots anyways. And I was like, oh, well, screw that apartment. Yeah. Even though it was still there for him. Right. He wasn't kicked out. He just abandoned it. And he still gets huh. the disability checks, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's like yeah. more more money for, for yeah. that. Yeah, I got, yeah. Fergie, I always got the, I, like, he, he seemed smarter than he was letting on. Like, he would make kind of self-deprecating jokes, but you could tell, like, he knew what he was doing. And I, I got the feeling that maybe that's just kind of, it's it's easier for him to justify himself being in that situation by sort of, you know, not... I don't know if I... 
did I tell it in the movie? But he, um, when he was 16, he was learning to drive. And he, no, that wasn't in the movie. Okay. I rewatched it this morning, okay. and that wasn't in that. He uh, was learning to drive at 16, and he was driving to his hockey game with his parents, and he crashed and killed his parents. Whoa. Okay. Not on purpose. Of, well, of he course not. He just but, actually yeah. crashed, and his parents were killed. Yeah. And he told me that when he came home, he went right to his dad's liquor cabinet, and he's never stopped he drinking He never got since. out of it. Yeah. yeah. No, that yeah, that's not in the movie. That'll do it. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I I, I don't really think how, how could anyone sort of blame him for that? Yeah. You know, yeah. Or kind of what he's become. Yeah. Yeah. But that that scene at the end where he 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 does get the house, it sort of paints an interesting picture for what I'm about to say. But I, I've always been a pretty big advocate for social housing, and just the way he talks about how just being able to get indoors and lock the fucking door. Right. How important for kind of people's mental health that is to be yeah. able to have their own sort of space um yeah because it, it's difficult being like uh in in a homeless shelter like he says in the movie you're just sort of you know you've got your own problems and your yeah. own trauma and then you're being hemmed into a, a, a room with a million other people with a million other problems substance yeah. abuse problems family trauma and uh you know i think like you know at the end of the day Maybe, you know, given, given the present system that he was living in, the woods was the best place for him. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, a lot of the homeless shelters are transition places. They're not a place to live. Yeah. No one's transitioning. They're alcoholics for life. So if you're going to be in there for life, might as well go somewhere else like the bush. <laughs> Make a better I wouldn't want to be that. in one of those places for life. Yeah. yeah. Although in North Shore, the, the North Shore homeless shelter is really good and very well run and spacious and on a creek with you know it's awesome there mm. but downtown the places here would be i couldn't imagine being stuck in one of those yeah yeah my my roommate my old roommate works in a um in a transitional home i can't remember which one that that it's called and he deals with really really frontline stuff every day i think he wants to transition into doing more like youth work because right. At the moment, the way he his job description, as, as he describes it, is just keeping people alive another day so they could maybe, hopefully, make the decision. And then when people leave, they just leave, and he never really gets to see, you know, sure. did that guy die, or right. did he turn his life around? Occasionally, people come back, but I think the real, well, one of the first solutions is exactly to want to start working with youth and kind of get to people before they're right. super dependent. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at some point we might try and hit the streets and try and track down Al for sure. an interview of our own. We're not yeah. really sure if that's going to happen or not. Cause like you said, we just have a couple spots that he likes to hang out in right. and we're just going to drive around yeah. and s see if we can get him. But that's I another thing uh, that I learned from them that was interesting about like society and money was like when I wanted to meet Al the film, I, his phone wasn't reliable. Right. And he'd just say, leave a note under the rock by the garbage can at whatever location. I was like, damn, I'm paying a hundred dollars a month for a cell phone. This guy's leaving <laughs> notes under, under the garbage cans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's viable. That works. Yeah, hey, and I did it. it happen. Yeah. yeah. And then he'd meet me at 11 at whatever, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you you posted a photo of him recently uh, on, on your Facebook chair, and and, yeah. and and he's in he's in a wheelchair now. Yeah. Which we discussed the sort of yeah. ir irony of that. Mm -hmm. 
and it's just it's really sad because in the in the film it, it's it's only you know it's you know 15 years is a while but it's not like that long given right. the kind of change you see on his on his face and in the film he looks so young and happy just out there doing right. what he loves and right. now it's sort of you know you see the toll that years of kind of drinking and hard living takes on a person it's extremely sobering yeah man he didn't have a bath for a year or a shower for a whole year Re- wow. bet- I, I, between the movie that, and now was that when he was on his uh, his office chair yeah when he was on yeah. the office chair I went and I always check him out I, like I go down at least once a month maybe more than that since the movie yeah oh wow yeah yeah so you've really kept a relationship yeah. with him and um what there was a time it was about three years ago he hadn't had a bath for a year because he'd broken his ankles and wouldn't let anybody take care of him right and that yeah, was bad Oof, yeah, <laughs> I, I bet I bet yeah yeah. But he's good now. Like he's being taken care of. He's mm-hmm. got a power wheelchair, which is good. And uh, I don't know. I think we'll be able to find him and get you some yeah. some audio bites if we, sure. if we can track him down the next week or so. Um, so you mentioned when we were kind of emailing back and forth, you you're you're doing painting now, and you had an, an exhibit recently. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that at all, or what you what uh, what that kind of thing is like? Yeah, too? sure. Um, well, after Carts, I tried to make a few films. I made a few shorts, and I tried to get a couple of scripts produced, but nothing happened. So again, I went traveling. And I actually drove to Mexico and lived there for seven months. Nice. And I had the intent of writing a book. And while I was writing, I got bored and started painting in the garage. We had a big garage with all these empty walls. So Where in Mexico were you? Uh, an hour north of Puerto Vallarta. Gotcha. And uh, just things worked out. Like on the corner of my street was a house paint store. And house paint in Mexico is all primary colors. They don't sell white and taupe and beige and it's primary colors so yeah. I was like great that's my spot I'm going to get a bunch of primary colors and start doing up this garage and oh, I so you did like a mural I did a big mural um, and I, I'm not a painter I just I've always did drawings but I just thought I'd throw down some paint yeah. and uh, Instagram helped people were giving me good feedback and said get some canvas going well there was no canvas anywhere I couldn't find an art supply store and you'd right. think in Mexico there would be art supply stores but there wasn't so I drove to Puerto Vallarta, no art supply stores. Um, I tried Amazon to get it shipped to me. It was really expensive. Mm. Uh, and I started noticing election signs around town from <laughs> old elections. Right. And they were all digitally printed canvas with frames. But you're set. <laughs> Except I couldn't get them down. Oh. So Cards of Darkness, like, I ended up getting involved with the homeless people there and right. put a bounty out on the election signs. That's so awesome. <laughs> 100 to 200 pesos, depending on the size of the election sign. And they How much tro- is that Canadian? Uh, $3. Right. Mm. But that's a lot. That's a case of beer there. Yeah, For fair sure. enough. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they started bringing me election signs and putting them over my fence, and I started painting them black, and painting was born for me wow yeah. actually I have a show now 25 of those paintings are on at the Bank of Montreal Theater Center in Olympic Village it's on till the end of August great people yeah. go check it out yeah yeah, yeah. for sure yeah uh, did you did you uh, do you speak Spanish or did you kind of pick some up while, while I you were down picked there? up what I could I could order at a restaurant 
Ah, uh, that's you know. Yeah. Well, you've that, got me beat, enough. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to Latin America for the first time next year, so I'm doing right. the whole Duolingo thing. But oh yeah, I, I think really the only you have to be immersion is the only way to actually learn the I language. I tried Duolingo, and my girlfriend makes fun of me because all I know how to say from that is like. Uh, dos mas manzana, which is two more apples. <laughs> I have the same. How go, often does that come up? Right? Go bebe agua. Yeah. I drink water. Oh, yeah. really? Or oh. you drink milk. Oh, great. Yeah. No one says go bebe you leche. drink milk ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. That bird is so persistent. <laughs> but you're doing more painting now than now that now that you're back. Yeah. 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 That's I'm great. painting every day. Actually, I'm trying to get as many shows together as I can and and just move forward with this. It's another form of expression that I can do with a disability. And I mean, I went to art school 25 years ago. I'm always going to make art. But right now, I'm, I'm passionate about painting. There's no cables. There's no technology. Yeah. There's no not even really people involved. Mm -hmm. I just go to the store, buy paint and brushes, go to the studio and work, and go home. And it's nice. Yeah. I, me and my girlfriend watched Bob Ross. The, oh, yeah, she'd sure. watched it before. It was my first time you, watching what? it. I'd never I'm watched so Bob Ross. I'd never watched Bob Ross. No, I that's, hadn't. You know, I, well, that's I, didn't, I, I didn't feel like I need to. Fact of the podcast. <laughs> he's, he's just such an, like an internet. I, he's become a meme in and of itself that I, mm -hmm. I kind of thought that, you know, I didn't i got i got it i didn't need to right. but no i watched it for the first time last night and he is and he is an absolute gem and me and her <laughs> might go get some canvases and start doing some painting of her really own. yeah, yeah. The bob ross inspiration he really there. sold it for me <laughs> he, he does make it look extremely easy uh, it's so relaxing yeah we'll see how it goes it isn't though because he's actually mixing paint and i don't i just go to the paint store and buy colors off the swatches on the wall mm. and bring home like a gallon of red oh you still yeah you, because of uh because you're where you were in mexico you yes. still just go house paint yeah yeah i and guess it's I'd much much cheaper yeah. my ex is a, it goes goes to emily card I, I i would go with her to the art supply store sometimes and she would spend like hundreds of dollars on these tiny little tubes yeah. of, you know but apparently it's the best it's the best yeah you know <laughs> no no my stuff is like street art style it's spray paint house paint paint pens mm -hmm. that kind of thing and i go by wallet moth which is my art name because uh I went to get a haircut one time and out my wallet and a moth came out. <laughs> I couldn't believe it because it's actually an old saying, you know, you're broke, you're, you yeah. know, you have wallet moths or whatever, but it happened to me. And It seems like something from a cartoon strip, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you know? Do you have an Instagram or anything yeah, like wallet that? Moth wallet moth official. Wallet moth. Official. Yeah. Is it, okay, cool. We'll yeah. be sure to link that and on our landing page. And a website for walletmoth.com. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever do like any graffiti or street art or anything I'm like that? I'm about to. I'm going to do paste ups, like just, you know, poster paste ups. And yeah. uh, I've picked a couple spots that I'm going to get someone else to draw my stuff on for me because I can't reach it. That's, yeah. But I'm going to start putting stuff up around. That's great. Yeah. I was picking my excellent. spots. Yeah, yeah. Me and a, a mutual friend just drove down to, to Montreal. We drove across the whole country, and I did. I got my beak wet with. with some spray paint oh. for the first time. Oh, really? It, well, I, it wasn't. It wasn't. Story. It wasn't very good. No, <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. <laughs> it wasn't very good, but it was yeah. mine. Yeah, and I'm very and proud. Of Montreal is just gorgeous for that too. Like just the murals everywhere around that city is just. Beautiful. Yeah. Have sure. you been before, Murray? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not an accessible city, but oh, that's, that's, no. one of, that's one of the no's. Yeah. 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 That's one thing I noticed about, about Montreal because it's such an old city. At first, I was like, this whole city is just under construction. Then I realized it's under maintenance. Like constantly because it's yeah. just such old Crumbly buildings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I love that city though. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, 
where can people find you uh, or is just those Instagram handles are the best yeah. yeah I have my own Murray Seipel Instagram mm-hmm. that's got like big owl updates on and stuff and Wallet Moth is purely just my art sure yeah. well I'll be sure to leave links for both on the landing there is, page uh, I have a YouTube channel which I'm terrible at but I did put a bunch of deleted scenes if you find my Murray Seipel YouTube channel there's mm-hmm. a bunch of deleted scenes up there from Cards of Darkness. Perfect. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, sure. Well, we'll definitely throw links for all of those on the sure. landing page for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Murray, thank you so much for doing this. We yeah. really appreciate yeah, you coming down. Me yeah, in. exactly. It's really cool Cheers. to have like you know a film like that that people are still interested in after all this time. Oh yeah, my, a decade my, and a half later, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, my friend showed it to me, and it, it really just stuck with me because on it on its face, it kind of seems like it's going to be this very simple kind of trailer park boys esque sure. comedy, but it's really poignant and moving, and I think still really speaks to people. So thank you. Go watch it. <laughs> we, we are researching Carts of Darkness too. Oh, really? Ah. And we haven't figured it out completely, but I'm on my way to San Francisco in July to find people there that might be doing the same thing because I've wow, heard okay. some rumors that there are. Can you go do an exploratory mission? So down we might there? do a San Francisco carts too. Nice. Yeah. Okay. We'll be sure to up- update our listeners once that comes out. If I'm not burnt and yeah. painting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. But that's we fair. talk about it all the time. So right. mm-hmm. the audience is there. Exactly. So. Oh, we'd yeah. love to. And like you said, yeah. most watched documentary in Canadian history that's yeah. that's crazy yeah it's that's awesome though and uh, yeah. well thank you so much for making the time we really appreciate right. it Murray no problem great okay. all right hope you enjoyed that episode if you did please like and subscribe to elsewhere wherever you have the power to do so and please leave us a review between the reviews and telling your friends it really is the best way of helping the show if you want to reach out to us you can write us an email at eastvandelsewhere at gmail.com you can follow me on Instagram at eastvandelsewhere you can find Cody on SoundCloud as Bitcrack, and you can find us at our home on the web, elsewhere.com. That's right, and uh, today we're going to play you out with another song by Pat the Bunny. But don't worry, not wanting to end on a down note, this one is a little less intense than our intro music. It was written after Pat managed to quit heroin, and shortly after this he stopped making music altogether. But what I think this song is really about is the way people get through the experience of poverty, like he did, which is through friendship and community. Yeah, couldn't agree more. This is Pat the Bunny and his final band, Ramshackle Glory, playing Your Heart is a Muscle the Size of Your Fist. Catch you next month. Dolly, you never show me nothing but kindness. Say I know how sad you get And some days I still get that way But it gets better, it gets better, it gets better Sweetie, it gets better, I promise you And she tell me, she tell me she tell Your heart is a muscle, the size of your fist Keep on loving, keep on fighting And hold on, and hold on Hold on for your life
Because he was going out of town I asked him where And he said New Mexico I asked if I could get a ride He said no You don't want to follow me Where is I'm going He backed out of the driveway It was the last time we saw him Because he drove straight to his parents' cabin And put a bullet in his head Your heart is a muscle The size of your fist Keep on loving Keep on fighting and hold on and hold on. Hold on for your life.